everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Feige Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we kick off a brand new week in WWE as we inch closer to Extreme Rules going down in a couple of weeks' time in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm Keela Cash, and always by my side, back from his kayfabe one-week suspension for that shoddy press conference from hell, I bring to you my co-captain, my right-hand man, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner. I bring to you, as always, the return of the unsuspended salty scott young welcome back salty thank you for having me back i was suspended af but now i am back (laughs) fr for real you know so uh i'm really excited to chop it up and talk all things wwe with you it was a a good week i want to give a big shout out to my guy jd for filling in let me tell you, anyone who, who knows J.D. and for those who don't know J.D., let me tell you, for him to come in and watch seven hours, at, well, at least five. He may not have watched seven. He might have Hulu cut that raw, and I, I don't blame him for that. <laughs> but he watched at least five hours of WWE programming for you all, and he did a great job filling in. So a big shout out to J.D. for that because I know that wasn't easy for him. Excited about our guests this week. Love the different voices that we're bringing. Uh, and Keela, you know what? It's, we ain't got beef. I, I'm, I'm really happy to hear your voice and to chop it up with you too. I, I'm, I'm very happy to hear you again. So yeah, I'm excited. You know, I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I don't know how authentic that was just now because <laughs> I feel a setup coming. I feel an ambush approaching me and I, I don't know how to feel about it right now because that was way too nice by your standards. I'm in a great mood. I feel recharged. You know, the week oh, I, 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 I'm back, baby. I'm ready to go. I'm fired. I'm perky Scott on the free feed. I mean, what more can you ask for? <laughs> We will have a countdown clock to see how long this lasts because I don't believe him. I know him. I have known him now for a year. I don't trust any of this coming from him, but I will be cautious with his comments. Now, the big question is for you and for our upcoming guest, have you been blocked by Teddy, by Teddy Long on Twitter? I've been barred by pretty much everybody. Well, I don't know, honestly. Maybe he has, and I just haven't checked to see. I don't think I've been blocked. Because he's been on a blocking spree. He's been blocking everybody. I don't think I've caught the button yet. All right. He's his t- his tweets are protected. I have not been blocked by Teddy Long. I'm proud to say. But also on the show today is someone who was an OG, a legend in the Fike Media family, host of the Dynamite Show in the clinch as well in the free feed of Fike Media. I bring to you the OG, sexy grandpa, grandpa ass, scissor me grandpa, the legend, Paul Fontaine. Welcome back, Paul. <laughs> hey, so if anybody has uh, has not listened to the, uh, the first 10 minutes of the Dynamite Show this week, um, I figure I didn't piss off enough people with that uh, little rant where I lost my mind. So my goal today is to add two more to the list. So I got two things to say. Number one, I'm very, very excited because I heard that the Golden State Warriors uh, camp opened today. So I'm really happy about that. And number two, 28 to three. Okay, let's do the show. You know, um, (laughs) 
See what just happened? Oh, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Wait a second! Pause! Pause! Yes, Real sir. quick! Love you, Scott. What's up? Rewind! Hold on! Yeah. <laughs> did, did, did Grandpa just walk out here with his cane and and decide to take shots at both of us? <laughs> Individual shots, not even. I, yeah, I'm not just, even a team I just pointing shot. out some stuff I heard. I, 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 I got a QR code and I clicked on it and it said I thought it was going to be White Rabbit and it's like 283. I'm like, oh, cool. And then I'm listening to a podcast on my way home from from the hospital today and and I heard that the Golden State Warriors open camp and I'm like super excited. I'm hoping they uh, they go what f- uh, five titles in the last nine years. That'd be like super cool. So yeah, go go Steph. What is going on right Let's now? Let's do the show. <laughs> what is what is going on right now, Keela? You talking about me setting you? Am I getting ambushed right now? Is this my welcome back party? Because I don't like it. Listen, <laughs> he threw twenty eight to three in my fucking face, <laughs> and I'm already so damaged I, I, from it was this. The QR code, Keela. I'm sorry. Did does that open up some wounds? Let me tell sorry. you something. Last week, <laughs> last week they were down twenty eight to three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Yes, they were. They were down 28 to 3 to whoever they were playing. I have forgotten. The Rams. 28 to 3 down. They tried to make a comeback and they fucked it up. So now you bring all of this back to me. But you know what? I take comfort in the fact that in the last year, the Atlanta Braves and the Georgia Bulldogs are champions. So this state that is no good. longer Congratulations. Sucks. We are yeah. champions. Fuck the Falcons. I, I I had no idea. I mean, I I didn't know about the twenty eight to three because like I have uh, I had like Cam Akers and Cooper Cup on my fantasy team, so I uh, all that's all I cared about. That's, that's called salt. In the that's face. called salt. But, but you guys are zero two, so you know you still got four. You could go fifteen and two yet. Don't lie, Paul. I already said we're going to win two <laughs> games this year. Against oh, well, there you go. Get number one draft pick next year. Then it's not going to help. No, Our coach no. sucks. <laughs> It's just, you know, I'm not going to lie and sugarcoat it. Go Hawks. Go Braves. Yeah. Go Georgia. Screw the Falcons. Braves are awesome. Yeah. They, they might win the World Series again. Oh, these Mets are good, though. Really, really mm. good. I what's, can't what's this baseball sport y'all I know. About? It's How turned do you into do that, that, too. I know the, the switch up. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what baseball is. Well, I'm sorry that you don't have a baseball team in Virginia, Scott. <laughs> So I'm you can't even like claim the, the Nationals. I'm a Sammy Sosa guy, and he's a steroid user. So then I gave up the sport after that. I was <laughs> like, like the, why am I watching no this? Rebels thing? or something? Aren't they in like the? We got the Richmond, the, the Richmond Squirrels. League? We had the Richmond oh, Braves, but now we got the yeah. now they're the Squirrels. Okay, is that like Triple A? Uh, I think it's Double A. Oh, okay, well, that's not bad. Actually, Double A. I like Double A better. More prospects. So we've talked baseball, <laughs> basketball, football. We've shaded Tate Long. Have you been blocked, Paul, by Tate Long? No, by the way? no, I just checked. Okay. Uh, uh, pending request to follow, but no block. <laughs> he blocked Rennie Paquette, though. Yes, he re- he's blocking everybody for reasons yeah. we don't understand. Past tweets. He's going through the timeline, vanity tweeting Tate Long. Yeah. That's like when I got blocked by Shivani for because I said I, I made a quote about something being the greatest show in the history of our sport, covering an MMA show, and he was vanity searching, I guess, and blocked me. Oh, yeah. Tony was salty for a while until yeah. he reloved wrestling again. So he's good now, but being blocked by our faves, it hurts. But as we move on from baseball and football and basketball talk, as we get ready for those seasons to wrap up and unfold, 
Let's dive into the fall classic, shall we? Survivor Series, a concept that has sucked for a very long time. Even on this very show, we talked about remixing Survivor Series. This is probably Scott and I's first real show together late November of last year. And guess what they did this year? They listened to the complaints because under the Triple H administration, he actually likes to do things a bit differently. So going down on Saturday, November 26th, we will be having war games at Survivor Series. No Raw versus SmackDown bullshit. It is going to be storyline driven for the men and the women. And for that, I am glad, but I need high stakes to these matches. There must be Warrior Rumble implications to really make this show click. So Scott, what are your thoughts on war games coming to Survivor Series? I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be something different for those who ha- who didn't watch the NXT product, um, and, and you know, for that audience. And I think it's just a. I think it just goes to show how different this regime, uh, the storytelling, and just how things are going to go compared to last year. If we remember last year, the big thing that came out of Survivor Series was the Golden Egg. And uh, there was that. So Austin Theory laid that, and then you know what's he? He's just been sitting on it. Nothing's been happening. Apparently, all the Golden Egg did was bring bad luck. Um, and now, now we're looking at war games for not only the men but the women. So this is a a big opportunity because this is really kind of the first. It's not a Triple H brainchild, but this is a Triple H idea to bring this concept back and utilize it on a grand stage. So this is a big moment and opportunity because if it if it goes off well, both matches are, are great, great, uh, great matches, then we're going to be talking about it. We're going to be excited about it for next year when they do this and hopefully it becomes a tradition. If these matches fall flat, you know, it's kind of like, ah, you know, maybe we should kind of stick to what we know, stick to the traditional Survivor Series instead of the war games. So I, you know, I'm excited about it, but this is this is a big opportunity and moment, not only for the match itself, but just for the Triple H regime to kind of really get things going. Because I, I feel like this is going to be kind of his second, because we're getting a little bit of his first with the Extreme Rules and the Fight Pit, but the War Games is going to be really his his first Mecca event where he's able to be like, yeah, this is my kind of, this is how I want my brainchild to go and whatnot with the women having the match and the men. So I'm excited for it. Me too. And the house was sold before making this announcement. So you adding excitement to a show that was already sold out in Boston. So I'm very hyped for the idea. I love the storyline base reasons for war games. And there were several ideas that pop into my mind as to how these matches will go. We'll get through to that after Extreme Rules and Crown Jewel. But Paul, what are your thoughts on war games coming to Survivor Series and NXT losing a couple of concepts along the way? Not a bad thing, but you really want the big stuff showcased on the bigger shows. I'm glad that last point that you brought up about the fact that the show had already sold out before they made this announcement was I was going to make that point because I think it shows that uh, Triple H is committed to not only um, selling, you know, a lot of tickets and getting a lot of people, well, selling a lot of tickets, first of all, get a big gate, but then also to make people excited for the show and to watch it as opposed to just kind of phoning it in. Cause you know, we already got our money from Peacock. We already sold our tickets. So we'll just put on, you know, whatever. And I, I like for me, 
I, I would, you know, I'm like you, like I would like to see steaks of some sort, you know, like we, you know, I think I may have even been on with you guys when we, when we talked about it, you know, like something like, you know, soul survivor gets the number one spot in the rumble or, you know, whatever you want to do. But for me, like if it's a storyline reason that they build to, let's say, you know, and you can kind of look out from now, like I could easily see the the bloodline in against a team with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and, and you know, maybe Riddle and maybe Orton, you know, if he comes back like that to me is a war games match, you know, and, and it doesn't really need a lot of hype. And I don't really need a lot of stakes because, you know, that if somebody beat pins, uh, Roman in that match, they're getting a title shot. And for the women, you can see already, you know, like obviously um, the Bailey's group against, you know, any combination of Asuka um, and uh, Becky Lynch, if she's ready by then, and Alexa Bliss or Liv Morgan, you know, who, whatever they want to do, like they can, um, th- there's some compelling matchups they can make and they can build to that. And by the time we get there, it's not going to feel like, oh, this is the month we do hell in the cell or i mean or survivors uh, sorry war games my bad um it'll be that oh man this feud is so hot we need war games to settle it and that's what it used to be now the difference back in the day was we didn't have the internet so you know there may have been a war games on the book in wcw for you know september and and you know and they start building to it in july but it's you know it's not you know, but it felt more organic because you didn't necessarily know about it until they made the announcement. Whereas now they're making these announcements way in advance and publicizing it and everything. So I, I think this is a positive step forward. And I also think that with the roster that WWE has right now and with Triple H seemingly allowing his talent to go out there and have great matches, um, it's almost impossible for Survivor Series to be a bad card. It looks very strong and you can kind of see where things are going two months out and I love it. So I'm looking forward to both matches. I expect more returns coming up in the next few weeks or so as we got season premieres for Raw and SmackDown going down in the next couple of weeks leading into Extreme Rules and afterwards. So I'm very hyped for what Survivor Series is going to be because last year we read that show to filth and it deserved it because it was not very good. We had a couple of good matches and after that, none of the Raw versus SmackDown stuff made any sense and I'm kind of glad as well they were not doing a draft immediately. Get through WrestleMania then reset then because I think you have enough moving pieces that you're bringing to the shows to not have a draft as of yet so i get it and the best thing is you don't have to hear one night a year it's raw versus smackdown even though we see it every week on raw and smackdown you know paul you brought up a a point about stakes and i i there is still one smackdown versus raw match i want to see and that is Lashley versus Gunther. And I think what oh. you could do for stakes and to make both of these champions feel important is whoever wins that match, that brand gets the number 30 spot in the Rumble. And that's an easy way mm. to just make a stake. And people want to see that match. Like, I, I hope they don't take that off the books because that's one of the few raw versus smackdown matches that people are like yeah i, I want to see that and maybe it's the gunther component because people want to see gunther versus this guy gunther versus this guy but i think that's a stakes is a great word to use right there because that's something they can i mean that's an easy thing that you can do and you make the match have it means something so when lashley or gunther wins it's like oh wow okay they they went to hell and war for that and one of my favorite survivor series matches with stakes on it um was when triple h took on team triple h took on team orton and 
with Triple H's team, everybody on that team, if they won, they would all get a title shot versus Randy Orton or, or versus Triple H. But Randy Orton's team, if they won, they would all get to be GM for a week, which essentially means they would all get a title shot as well. So there are ways that you can add stakes to all of these matches. You can do that with the bloodline. If if this team wins, they all get a title shot. So-and-so gets a shot at Roman. This tag team gets a shot at the belts and however you want to do it. So you can easily add stakes because I think that is the main component that's really been missing from Survivor Series that makes it mean something besides just being cool matches that, Keela, like you pointed out, we could... R- easily see on a random episode of Raw versus SmackDown. Exactly. And that's all we care about. Give us a reason to care. The 0-4-1 was a really good one because we got the one week Batista babyface push that would lead to 05 or your rumble to see the complete Batista babyface run against Triple H. Nice foreshadowing by WWE back then. And I'm glad we're getting back to foreshadowing of things to come that are not as clear as right now. But that is what Survivor Series is for, to plant the seeds for next year and having stakes totally makes sense. Let's hope they go in that direction heading into November. As we move on to Monday Night Raw going down live from the Shark Tank of San Jose, California, we kick things off with the aforementioned United States champion Bobby Lashley versus Seth Rollins for the U.S. title. A strong matchup, my favorite match of the night and a highlight for me early on was Seth going for the curb stomp and Bobby says, nope, my neck ain't going down. I'm going to block it. My muscles are going to hold me right on up. That was an excellent counter. This match was so good. Seth Rollins is on a run this year, having great matches on pay-per-view, on TV. Bobby's great as well. My only issue is he's having feuds of the week and not a standalone feud that's going to carry him from one pay-per-view to the next. That's my issue right now because every time he has a match, it's about somebody else. It's all about outside interference, whether it's Dexter Loomis or Matt Riddle. It's always the other and not about Bobby being the strong champion that he should be, even though he always comes out on top of being dominant in the end. But a great matchup to kick off Monday Night Raw. The pedigree counter into that spear was a chef's kiss. And of course, Riddle comes out to start the night of four distraction-like finishes that irked me. Not going to get into it much here, but on the whole, a great way to kick off the show, Paul. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, It was kind of a theme for the week, especially if you watch other products besides WWE. Um, and, you know, just great matches with lousy finishes. I, and I agree that that was my match of the night from Raw. And the, the only thing I would say that I'll add to to what you said is um, I actually, in a way, like the fact that they're able to incorporate these feuds, um, you know, like Seth Rollins with Riddle or Miz with Dexter Loomis or, you know, whatever else. And I think there may have been one with uh, Edge or Finn or and uh, or Damien or something as well. But through it all, so you're accomplishing two purposes with these matches. Number one, you're furthering the feud. But number two, you're building up a strong champion. So through it all, through all the nonsense of having to deal like deal with the the side stuff going on, Bobby Lashley is maintaining his um, his aura as a champion and just becoming a stronger and stronger champ and building to some sort of a dream match down the road where you can go back and look. Oh, he's beaten Seth Rollins. He's beaten the Miz. He's beaten Finn Balor. Um, you know, and whoever else is going to be in the future. So along the way, 
all this stuff is happening and you're almost not even noticing it because you're focused on these other feuds, but it's there. Like, and it's not going anywhere. And, and like Scott mentioned earlier, there's a match with Gunther down the road. There, there might be a match with Brock at, at uh, Crown Jewel, you know, that would further what we're talking about. So I, I actually would say that I, I actually like what they're doing with Bobby. Um, but I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm just kind of looking at it from a different perspective totally get it and it makes sense as well the bright spot is that Bobby so being booked dominantly as champion which is always a good thing and dear God in heaven an idea just popped in my head if it's going to be Brock and Bobby at Saudi Arabia crown jewel if the title's on the line if Brock wins could it be Brock and Gunther at Survivor Series oh. that's a <laughs> I don't know which one I, I really wanted Bobby but Brock versus <laughs> I mean, they're going to get in a fight. That's going to be a legit fight. <laughs> That's going to turn to a what real was, fight. What was that line that Brock had about Keith Lee when he walked out for the Rumble? Oh, big boy. Gunther. Yeah. <laughs> big motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that entered my mind right now. And I am living for that vision, too, just as much as I'm living for Bobby and Gunther. So either combination three-way. for me, a three-way. Hey, book that for WrestleMania. I would live to elevate that championship and the IC title. Do it. I don't care. But now I'm living for that outcome as well. Thank you, Paul, for putting that in my head. And now I want that just as much. So, Scott, as we fantasy book, Brock Lesnar and Gunther, dear God, what are your initial thoughts on what we got on Monday regarding Lashley versus Rollins? So, um, Keela, great, great call by that. That's just a great matchup, man. Um, but, I'm kind of torn on the whole Bobby Lashley thing because I do like what they're doing with him and they are making him a focal point of the show. He is essentially the guy on the show, the top guy on the show. He's got the title. They present him as the top guy on the show, but he doesn't feel like the biggest deal on the show. I mean, like He doesn't feel like the show revolves around him. For example... When the women talk, they're all talking about Bianca Belair. They're all talking about how they want to get at Bianca. They want a shot at the title. I don't feel that with Bobby Lashley. I don't feel people being like, yo, I want a shot at Bobby. I want to get the Bobby. I want a shot at the title. And that's and that could just be, you know, that could be me maybe just noticing it because I notice how the women are, are all after Bianca. And Bianca's always got this target on her back. But... I just I I want Lashley just to feel like more of the center of the you know the centerpiece of the show and not just because he has the title but be, because it's Lashley you know um, but the match was good I, I thought the the spear counter the the uh, the pedigree out of the spear counter was really strong we have found Triple H's crutch everybody has a crutch everybody has a go to thing that they do and Triple H's thing is. I'm going to give you a finish, but there's going to be some type of interference, some type of uh, run-in, something's going to happen. And and that's kind of what I mean by, like, why not have Riddle just come in and go after Rollins after the match? Like, you know, or, or, or you know, and have Lashley win the match on his own because it doesn't, it felt like he needed that to beat Rollins. And I don't want that for Lashley. Lashley doesn't need that. Lashley doesn't need anybody's help. So, and that, that's just a little thing, I, I think. I just feel like I would rather him be the centerpiece of the show. The way Roman is of SmackDown, I'd like for them to treat Lashley like that on Raw. 
Agreed. I think my core issue is your issue in that we see Bobby have these matches, but they're like for a week. It's AJ Styles. It's Ciampa. It's Seth Rollins. And there's nothing more than that. There's not a concrete feud for him to really go to. And there's no challengers for him right now. And a booking question Triple H at this point is I'm trying to protect everybody with all of these distraction finishes. At some point, you're going to have to be a decision maker when it comes to, I have to let somebody lose clean. Seth is not Seth is not going to get hurt by losing clean to Bobby Lashley. It's okay to lose. He's not going to lose anything from it. He'll still have his heat. He'll still face Riddle at Extreme Rules in a fight pit match. That should be great. He lost three times to Edge, three times to, to Cody Rhodes this year. So losses are not going to really set Rollins back because he's great in every way. The great workers are not going to get bit by losses clean. You have have to be brave enough to book people to lose cleanly. That goes for AEW as well. Orange Cassidy, for example, if you want him to win, let him win. A hammer attack? Really? That's what we're going to do to protect somebody? That's across the board for both companies. Stop trying to overprotect your champions and your opponents to make sure they don't lose as badly. No, let them lose. That's the purpose of it. Make it mean something. They're not going to be damaged by it. Just stop trying to overdo it with all of these distraction finishes. It's an infection spreading across all of these shows as of late, and I can't take it. Next up is someone I read on this show last week. Me and JD did a double team on Dominic Mysterio because he had the audacity to speak last week. My fear of him talking. But this week, it was kind of beautiful because he got in the ring to talk. And this entire crowd in San Jose booed him out of the Shark Tank. And he kind of loved it. He reveled in the boos. And Damian Priest cracked a bit like, damn, he's getting some heat. So by doing that, by him saying less and still getting heat, I kind of liked it. I do love the thread of Dom trying to have his dad hit him. Hit me, dad. Do it. I know you want to. Ray won't hit his son. At some point... He's going to have to break out the switch and whip his son's ass. That's what he had to do. He had to humble him at some point. That day is coming. And then ultimately we're going to match and we'll see how it goes. But for one week, which will continue in Edmonton, Canada, when he'll get booed out of the arena again, he'll get booed in Philly. Most likely he'll get booed in Brooklyn. He's going to get booed in these places. Thankfully so. And we also learned on Monday, he's really with Rhea to um, <laughs> do some things off the clock. And we figure that because when you get beat up like that repeatedly, you get kinks for it. So, uh, Scott, the weekend review for Dominic Mysterio, he'll heed and getting some um, action on the side. So, you know, I had a week off to uh, think about some things. And uh, I've been thinking about this whole Dominic Mysterio thing. And this is a long term game he's playing. Let's let's take you back. It um, wasn't too long ago that his sister was was dating Murphy. And uh, we all know who Murphy's dating now. This has been a <gasps> long game right here by Dominic Mysterio. Y'all think Dominic is this, this young, naive kid who just got turned bad. Nah, son. Dominic Mysterio is this evil, sinister mastermind that's just been sitting there under Rey Mysterio like, yeah, don't worry, Dad. I got something. I got something for Murphy. You ain't got to worry. Hey, what did he do to you? Don't worry, don't worry about that, sis. I got something for Murphy. This is this is a long con, right? 
This is every Tyler Perry movie that wasn't Madea. God. This, this, this is exactly what this is right here. Everyone. So you know how this is going to end. Somebody going down. So somebody's going down and this is going to be a tragic ending because this is all just a long con. Dominic know what he's doing. He's talking about mommy, poppy. Is Rhea didn't Rhea didn't expect that. <laughs> and, and mommy, mommy knows best. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. We got it. You two are sick. You two are sick and everybody's into it. And Finn and Damien, who knows what they're doing? So I, I don't know if they're watching, if they're guarding the door who knows what's going on with the Judgment Day when it's all said and done? That said, I thought Dominic did really good. You really laid out the five-step plan that Dominic had to get Rhea. I admire that. There is a, there is a method to the madness. And I know Damien Priest for sure is in the room. Can't tell me he's not. <laughs> for sure? <laughs> for sure. Oh, so 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 they going for the trios title. <laughs> is that is that what I'm hearing? Is that what I'm hearing? Listen, does Brad Maddox know, have some competition coming for his trio minute. title? Wait, wait a minute, because I saw the tweet too. The audacity of him, Gladiel, pocket that. But for real, I have read the stories of Damian Priest and Matt Riddle. Okay, so he's in the room. Doing some some things. I saw it firsthand. You know, at, at, uh, in, in at Mania. So. Uh, oh, 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 oh! My goodness! Oh my goodness! Um, so this well, show, the, yeah, spilling tea. No, no, no! Like just, mm-hmm. yeah, not right, right. Mm-hmm, I, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Party favors and stuff like that. We just know. I know things too, and I know yeah. he's in that room, and they doing things for sure. For sure, <laughs> facts straight up. I just know, and Finn. Listen, I have a wife at home, so I don't have time for any of this. So yeah, Finn, like you know. I gotta be home by ten o'clock. I don't okay, know what y'all waiting doing. for me. <laughs> yeah, if she I don't know what y'all doing tonight. Um, y'all do that. So this took a turn quick. So Paul, <laughs> I I uh, so but okay. If people have again, if you've ever listened to the Dynamite Show, you know that I like to like break out into karaoke every once in a while, and um. Scott really should have prefaced what he was going to say with uh, with this, and and this is especially poignant given uh, what I ranted about this week. Took a while to get me here, and I'm gonna take my time to fight that good shit in your ear. Now let me blow your mind. He should have started with that when he when he went off into that because oh my god, my mind is blown. Um, I am uh, like he gave I'm us some Gwen Stefani and Eve. Yeah, just from Eve. the old one, Steve. Yeah, yeah, Eve, uh, a contemporary Trina. Um, <laughs> I uh, or so I'm told. Um, yeah, like I couldn't believe the heat, um, and and I guess people put that together like Scott did because I sure as hell didn't. Um, but they were just living their best life as heels. Like Rhea is. A pleasure to watch she is having so much fun with this and she is such an amazing heel and she's a great wrestler but i don't care if i ever see her wrestle again because like she is ha- she is so good and uh like her as poppy is um just 
I, it's what I never knew I needed. And, and now I do. And now putting, I'm never going to be able to get that out of my mind of, uh, of this long game that, uh, that Dominic and Ray, the evil Mysterios are playing. Um, as we've seen over the years, like when they're supposed to be baby faces and they're like the biggest heels on the show. Um, so yeah, like, uh, I'm, I, this is, this was the best judgment day I I've ever seen. Like, you know, and they keep getting better. And I never thought that would happen. I thought they were going to be like dead in the water without Edge. And they're so much better. The remix is so good under the Triple H administration. This is Judgment Day at its best. Finn Balor, the swag. We loved the NXT is here. A little bit extra this time around. I forgot to mention a couple of weeks ago, the purple bandana he wore to wrap up the show. Thug life. Finn Balor. Prison Finn. Prison Finn. Prison Finn Bay. Finn Balor. Um, it was tremendous. I love Judgment Day. Now we had our critiques of this crew, but this, this is what we're witnessing right now is art. And I love it. And Dominic Mysterio, when he's not talking, mostly, it's great, except calling Rhea his mommy. And um, I need tapes. Mm. <laughs> hey, well, I will say this though, and I think I think the biggest thing that has helped this group out has been making Rhea the centerpiece. I, I yes. think once that has happened, everything has kind of aligned. Even if Finn and Damien don't ever tag, Rhea as the centerpiece just kind of sets, it just feels right and it sets everything in motion. And even when she's outside just pacing back and forth, when she gave that back, like she's tossing dudes around. She, she's, a, she's incredible. This has been, this has elevated her to a main event. Whenever she faces off against Bianca for the title, that should that should close out a pay-per-view. Agreed. She's doing great work and it just reminds me a lot of China, DX OG, except elevated and better in 2022. And China laid the foundation for what Rhea is doing today, being the heater out there, whooping ass and having all the charisma to just bring it and to bring Dominic into the fold and have him find some love of charisma that works for him playing off of her. That's the best combo for them as Judgment Day hits their stride along last on Monday Night Raw. Our final Raw topic surrounds Alexa Bliss and her presentation on the show as of late. I go to the main event of Monday Night Raw involving Alexa Bliss versus Bailey. I did not care for this match very much, Lactite, and nobody cares character-wise about Alexa Bliss. And I can kind of see why her return over the last few months has been very dry. Her character is dry. Her personality is dry. And I don't want Miss Fiend back. But if you bring it, if you bring it back, it needs to be dialed down a bit. But whatever this is, I'm not feeling it. The goddess was what three, four years ago. That's not back yet either. The in-ring work is so so. There's something about her presentation on this show isn't clicking for me. Corey Graves keeps keeps mentioning that she's not the same. She's missing her edge. It's been a story for four months saying how she doesn't have it anymore, and we still don't see anything. Now, deep down, I do sense a turn coming for her, which will help her get over to where she needs to be. But I think this is a rare case of, man, if she ain't got the fiend gimmick or a championship, she doesn't have much to work with on this division, in this division, unfortunately. So what's your take on this, Paul, regarding Alexa Bliss and what she has been doing or lack thereof stuff on Monday Night Raw as of late? It's so weird because she's like, she's a, she comes off as a star but as soon as she starts to wrestle 
or talk. I mean, it goes away. So when she when she comes out, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, Alexa Bliss, and everybody thinks like this is a star. And then everything she does, like it's just this character, and it almost feels like it's by design. But if it is, like it's a very bad design. Um, I um, I was watching this, and and the show had been like, you know, again, you know, a lot of really good, really good matches with bad finishes, but you know, still really good matches. And I'm like, okay, this is. I think there was five matches on Raw, and it's like, okay, this is going to be another one. And as the match was going on, like a lot of times, matches get better as they go. This one got worse. Like it just like as it was going, it was like oh my god like she's missing spot she's like she doesn't care and it's almost like it's the storyline that you know she's kind of lost a step and she doesn't know where she is and she, and they you know and the, the the story the announcers were telling wasn't really matching up with what we were seeing like they were saying like how alexa's lost a step and then they were talking about how it would be a big upset if if bailey won um and then she did i i just i i hope we're getting something soon and uh, i don't know what that's going to be and there's you know a few options i don't really like any of them so but i do like alexa so i just i i i think i wish she would just like be a baby face and ditch lily and and just be like you know a wrestler but i guess everybody needs a character i don't know i i'm very confused by this me too i just don't get it the doll is distracting i know it sells on shop Put it on shop. Don't bring it out here anymore. I cannot take that damn doll anymore on my screen. And just her presentation is just so blasé. I go back to SmackDown Live six years ago. She, Alexa Bliss, five feet of fury was giving Becky Lynch the business on the mic convincingly. She ain't going to do that today against today's Becky Lynch. That ain't happening. Becky would give her the business and burn her in every way. I don't know where that Alexa Bliss is. I liked Fiend Bliss when she was toned down and not over the top until they overdid it with the playground stuff and her and Randy Orton beefing. That was hilariously bad, but it's better than what we're getting right now, crazily enough. Her scaring the ever-loving hell out of Shayna Baszler for some reason is better than what we're getting right now, and that is a damning indictment on whatever the hell creative has for her. I'm hoping something good is coming, Scott, but... It's been months since her return, and I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel that says it's going to get better. Yeah, I don't really have much to add to what you two said. I think you guys kind of hit it spot on. The biggest thing for me is it was always her promos that really stood out, and her as the heel who... I always felt like her at her best was kind of when she could hide behind something, when she had something that she could shield behind. like When she had Nia Jax as kind of her muscle... I thought that's when kind of she was at her pesky best because that's when you really wanted to get her or you wanted Nia to eventually turn on her and destroy her because when when she can run and still talk her talk you know she she had she had this this kind of this cunning to her where she was just taking throats but then again that could all be down to the scripting you know that could be them scripting the baby faces to just not say anything good back. I mean, this is the same people who scripted Suffering Succotash, so it wouldn't be shocking to know if that was the case. I wonder, and her as a babyface for me never clicked. So I, that doesn't, this whole thing as a babyface, I think that's a big mistake anyway. I, her as a heel, maybe that's what's missing, but I think the biggest thing that she could use is a heavy. If you give her a heavy and somebody that she could talk, 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 and then you step to her but you always got to step through her heavy. 
I think that could be that missing piece that she needs to kind of elevate her and take her over the top, especially as a heel. So give her a heavy and let's see what she could do with that. We'll see better than what we're seeing right now. And that is a damn shame. And that match on Monday dragged really, really badly. Bailey could not save it despite being the hometown hero. She got the W was tainted with more distractions, but Hey, it is what they do these days to Ford Fuse as she will face Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship at Extreme Rules. We need the I Quit match at some point. I need that storyline thread tied up very soon to play into what happened last summer. As we move on to NXT 2.0, no more. We got the color still for like another two weeks. Can't wait for we go back live and see what the new set looks like and the new graphics and whatnot. But we started things off on a very silly note with a backstage segment involving Shawn Michaels, noted NXT general manager, apparently, alongside Solisakoa, the now former NXT North American champion and Carmelo Hayes. So Shawn tells Solo, hey, Solo, how you doing? Well, when you put yourself in this championship match last Tuesday, that wasn't right. We had a fan vote and you were not a part of that result. And therefore... That match is unsanctioned, and so we have to strip you of the championship. So, Sean, noted general manager of NXT, you allowed Solo's music to hit. You allowed him to get in the ring. <laughs> you allowed him to have a match. You allowed him to win the title. You rung the bell. The referee counted three. Solo goes to SmackDown with the championship. Your boss, man, Triple H, has him in a sanctioned match against Mad Cat Moss for the North American Championship. Solo retains. He comes back to your brand, and now you say, well, none of this counts. Give me back my championship. Solo gives him back the title. I'm surprised Roman has not had Shawn Michaels fired from this job as of yet. So, he wishes Solo good luck on Raw and or SmackDown. Then he tells Carmelo, no, sir, you try to game the system. And he had the nerve to say that you just can't do that. You can't work the system in your favor. You can't think you're above everybody else. <clears throat> 90s HBK would like to have a word. But besides that, we would have a five-way ladder match to crown a new champion at Halloween Havoc. Melo's in as the former champion. Four spots to be filled. One was on Monday via, on Tuesday, I should say, via Oramensa. Good job by him. But all of this is so convoluted and dumb. Solo could have kept this championship up until Halloween Havoc. You did this to pop the final 2.0 out the door. I get it. But the stupidity to have this man in a match on Friday, a sanctioned match, and now you say it's unsanctioned on Tuesday? Make it make sense. But Scott, I saw on social media, defended this decision, and I want to hear why. So, you know, first off, big shout out to uh, Walker, Texas, HBK. Um, you know, <laughs> he was uh, really channeling his Chuck Norris right there. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it because Solo shouldn't be losing. Nobody in the bloodline should be losing the title in any way, shape, or form. So if you're going to do it, do it that way. At least it, it's out the way because I, I just, you, no, none of them should be losing. And you, they just shouldn't be taking no laws, especially Solo right now for the title. And now this way we can get some, hopefully we get some new blood. I don't want Carmelo Hayes back with the title. It's time for him to move on. 
But I, I do like this because I think we're going to get a fresh champion and it just kind of opens the door for a fresh story without someone needing to take a, a unnecessary loss. Um, you know, we talked about protecting people and Solo, Solo is somebody you protect, especially with this bloodline run and the great debut he had against Drew McIntyre. You don't want to spoil that, but having him lose to a, a Wesley Regardless of how it happens, I, I you know, because that's that's kind of how it feels. The story is building for a nice Wesley win if that goes. But that's the only reason I'm okay with this is because I don't want Solo shouldn't be taking any losses to anybody on NXT anymore with him being on the main roster. That I agree with. Just the decision making behind it and the idiocy on SmackDown Friday. It just took me out of the moment. And now I will now call HPK Walker, Texas HPK. I love that nickname for him as he tries to lay down the law in the most unconvincing way possible to tell (laughs) me that, hey, guess what? I was on the job and I let all of this shit happen on my watch. And now guess what? I'm doing my job. Fuck off, HBK, with all due respect. But uh, Paul, what are your thoughts on Solo losing the NXT North American Championship in such a very anticlimactic way? Okay, so I had kind of heard that something was up before I actually watched the show. And I'll tell you why. I have a buddy who has not watched any WWE in years and had heard about NXT and that it was doing better and it sounded like something he would like. He watches AEW pretty much in indies and stuff. So he decided that this week's NXT was going to be the first WWE program that he's watched in years. So he texts me with his thoughts of of everything. And the very last thing he texted me was, you'll have to explain to me what the situation is with this North American title. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's loaded. Okay, so I I don't know what's going on. I I watched the show. This was my response to him. I said, there was a match last week, which is obviously two weeks ago now, where the fans would choose Hayes' opponent. They chose Wesley. Hayes laid him out backstage so he wouldn't have to face him. Sokoa showed up and challenged him, beat him, and walked away with the title. Shawn Michaels stripped him because it wasn't a sanctioned title match, but he also wasn't going to reward Hayes for taking out his opponent. And I followed up by saying, as far as pro wrestling logic goes, I've seen a lot worse. And he responded by saying, yeah, you know what? That makes sense when you put it that way. So that's what I feel. Like, I, I'm like in Scott's camp. Like, I I didn't really have a problem with it. Um, I'm not sure why they did it originally, but I do understand storyline purposes, why you wouldn't just give him his belt back. The one part of it that I hadn't thought of when I made that text and what you brought up Keela is why he was allowed to defend the title on SmackDown. Um, I kind of, in my mind thought, well, maybe it wasn't a title match, but I'm assuming you do your research and it probably was. So I got no answer there, (laughs) but in terms of NXT, if I'm just watching NXT, this made total sense to me and I was fine with it. Yes. If you don't watch SmackDown, this would have been perfectly fine. Yeah. But the fact they did that shit on (laughs) Friday, And then HBK says, oh, by the way, Solo, listen, dude, that was unsanctioned. And I got to get this back from you. And uh, my apologies. So I guess he would have stripped Matt Cap too. Sir, you didn't beat the legal man. So I got to take this championship back. Like, come on. Come on. You should send Matt Cap back to NXT. That'd be fun. You know what? He would actually be over. I, I would allow it. He would actually get some more time to get better and get over and come back as a more complete performer by taking away the Matt Cap name. I like him a lot. Cheddar Biscuits all day, even though 
you know, to I had know, cheddar biscuits to yesterday. Will fix them better than me. I got cheddar biscuits yesterday. I thought about you guys. You did? Yeah, I went for lunch at Red Lobster by myself. Just sat there reading my Wrestling Observer and uh, eating uh, 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 crab linguine Alfredo with my cheddar biscuits. It was awesome. See how we cross promote on this show? Yeah. Red Lobster. Call us. Yeah. Yes. Oh, no, no, no. I That's that's how I got my lunch free. By promising to plug it on the show. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, see, see, this is what I'm talking about. You see? came on the show taking shots, and now you're taking our plugs. Now, you, now you're messing with my money. See, now you thieving. Right, right. Thieving. Send, send me your Vimo, Scott. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> the audacity to brag about. It's free, by the way. Right, right, right. It's free. And, and, and I ain't getting nothing free. Like, if I had got a meal, okay, we, we, can all, we can all be like, yeah, it was free. I ain't getting nothing free. Just rude. Couldn't even mail me the cheddar biscuits yesterday. Just rude, Paul. It's not, it's not who you know, it's who you... Oh, wait a minute. I can't say that on this show. Okay. So, Carry on. Okay. So we've taken another turn on this show. <laughs> a turn that, you know, it just hits a certain hours hit on the show. And we got to turn it back now in time. As yeah. we talk about the main event, it is a match to crown a new number one contender for the NXT championship. It was JD McDonough versus Tyler Bate. Braun Breaker, I have to say on commentary, he is in a bromance with Tyler Bate. He loves Tyler Bate. That tag team match a couple of weeks ago, he started thinking, that's my new Steiner brother right there. Go, Tyler. I just loved him being in awe of this matchup. He was such a fan, and it was a great main event. Tyler Bate is that dude in every way. JD is still budget Finn Balor to me, but he's very good as well. I really enjoyed this matchup. The back and forth, the punches in the end, the dozen roll-ups were a lot of fun. The high-flying spots were great, and JD wins. I don't agree with that decision because he lost to Braun Breaker pretty decisively during the last show. I think the Great American Bash a couple of months back. It was an all right main event. I wasn't enamored with it. But the highlight of this match was actually what happened afterwards when we had the return of the czar himself, the former NXT UK champion before Tyler Bate got the title right before they close up shop. Ilya Dragunov shows up to confront Braun Breaker and J.D. McDonough. J.D.'s expression of no, no, no was great. He was very upset about this. And this will lead to a triple threat match involving Ilya Dragunov, Braun Breaker, NXT champion, and J.D. McDonough at Halloween Havoc. That should be great. And Braun was happy. He was thrilled. More competition. He loves working with guys that can bring out the best in him. And I appreciate that as well. I just would prefer if it was Tyler Bate, Ilya Dragunov, and Braun Breaker. That match would kick ass, but we got JD. It's all right. But Scott, your take on the main event and if the white guy run at the end of the day. So I'm a, I do like, I am more of a Tyler Bate fan, but I like JD. I, I think he brings something different to the table. I like his kind of gimmick where he, he embraces the pain. He like his whole thing with Braun Breaker was he was like, you know what? I can't beat you. Let me just go ahead and welcome the spear that you're about to destroy me with. Like, so I, I welcome this matchup because he is all about the mind games when it comes to Braun. Um, the match was good. I thought the first half was a little slow, a little sloppy. Some of Tyler Bates stuff is a little too cute. It's a little too choreographed for me. So it was all right. When they started throwing hands and they started tossing each other in the counters, that whole second half, that was excellent. That whole second half of the match was excellent. One other thing I noticed, 
JD got a really, really big head. Like his head looks like it's floating <laughs> while his body's moving. It's, I, I it's a, it's a re- like he look his head. You would if you just saw his head, you would think he was like six three, two forty. But then you see his body, and you're like, that's not real. But but he's a great wrestler, and I. I love his finishing move. I love uh, that the I like that the Spanish fly was not a false finish. That he went right from the Spanish fly, got fired up, went right into his finish. Braun Breaker on commentary hit the first like during that first half of the match. I thought he was absolutely awful, absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. The dude was just giggling, like everything Vic Joseph was saying. It <laughs> <he> was like <laughs> Vic, <laughs> Vic, <laughs> Vic. <laughs> what are you doing, Braun? Who are you? What is this? Like so that was, so I had to I don't so maybe he got better in the second half cuz I tuned him out after that cuz that he was awful. Awful. Don't ever let that man near the commentary booth again. I, I, I maybe maybe he was in such a good mood cuz of the Connor's cure thing cuz that was really cool that they yeah, did. Yeah, that was adorable. That, yeah, that was really cool what they did. You could tell the kid was really nervous too. He was like, "Oh my gosh, what do I do?" But now that was really cool. But then he came over and was like and like you said he was like had his man crush on Tyler Bate too and was like just all oogly and God, he was awful. It was awful. <laughs> that that whole him on commentary was awful. Um Dragonoff's going to bring a lot of energy to the show. He's going to bring a jolt and a burst of energy and he's a guy who could believably beat Braun Breaker and they could have a real back and forth type feud and, and it'd be believable cuz he's a type I mean he beat Walter. You beat a guy like Gunther you're believable against anybody, so that's a that's a very exciting matchup. Yeah, that's my dude. I will say that Braun was terrible in commentary, but as soon as he shut up, as soon as he stopped talking, because I saw his face in the background, he just absorbed the match, and that's him at his best. Don't react so much to Vic Joseph, but his reactions made him endearing, and I do love the man crush on Tyler Bate. It's adorable. They had a nice connection during their match at Royals Collide and their tag team match following Tuesday. He really likes the dude, apparently, and they was teaming up on the road recently, too, so that's a team to look out for. You see a lot of respect there, which I appreciate. So, Paul, what are your thoughts on this main event involving Tyler Bate and Finn Balor light for a shot at the NXT championship. Sorry, JD McDonough. Sorry. Um, well, until the very last match of WWE that I watched of the weekend of the week, it was my favorite match of the week. Um, and, uh, I will say, uh, when Scott was describing, uh, the appearance of JD McDonough, all I could think about, and if you're listening and if for some reason you've never seen JD McDonough and, and for my two co-hosts who have Google this, Finn Balor Funko Pop, because that's JD McDonough right there. <laughs> um, and I love the addition of Ilya Dragunov to this, uh, to this because JD McDonough, like Scott said, plays this character that, like you know, kind of embraces the pain and and you know, and he revels in being cut and all this stuff. Well. G- that's he comes off almost like a poser in doing that whereas Ilya Dragunov is the real deal Mm -hmm. because the whole thing coming up when he was feuding with Gunther was if people don't remember if you got to go way back we're talking two years ago where the whole Ilya Dragunov push started was he got knocked out in a match um and and it was like like two minutes in and he lost to like, I can't remember who it was like wild boar or something like just some nobody and then he 
he he lived from that and then he went on and he built himself up and he ended up to go on to face Walter at the time and he got the shit kicked out of him for like 25 minutes and lost and then the whole story was the redemption of like you can't put me down I'm not gonna quit I'm gonna fight I'm gonna keep fighting and then the rematch was j- the same thing except this time he overcame it and won and like Ilya and hopefully they show this they show the video packages they let him talk and explain it um this could be very compelling and I hope what ends up happening is that maybe Il- or maybe Tyler or ugh, JD McDonough gets pinned and then we end up moving to a singles match between Braun Breaker and Ilya Dragunov and then we can really see Ilya Dragunov shine and see what made him so popular next to you can what made a guy on the WWE's fourth brand have matches of the year you know um i want to see that again and and i'm super excited for really dragging off especially with you know Shawn michaels running nxt and uh, triple h running the main roster i think this guy is a future superstar me too nxt uk is going to be a big influence on Raw and smackdown in the next couple of years and there's not going to be a fear of who's not going to get pushed because of their size because it don't matter anymore and i'm very happy about that elio is one of my favorite wrestlers in the world and to have him on nxt is great i would love to see him against braun breaker one-on-one for the title that should be special if they have a chance to do so between now and the end of the year He's just a star. His charisma is amazing. His walk, for crying out loud, just Mm. the presence he has, just a star on every level. And I was joking with Scott a few weeks ago in that I'm so glad he's no longer a vampire with red eyes. (laughs) So that's a step up in every direction. Yeah, I I remember the very first match I saw was him versus Finn Balor. Um, I can't remember what the what the, the the special what the takeover was, but it was him versus Finn Balor, and he had these red eyes, and something happened, and he like demoned up or something, and started like <laughs> you know like Argh! he had the fangs and stuff. It was it was a real brood thing, uh, but yeah, I I just. I just think he's such a, a jolt of energy, like balls of energy like that. They just catch on and that audience is really going to, well, they already did when he showed up at first, but they're going to latch on to him really heavy. And they, that audience, you know, for better or worse, they can really amplify a match. And they respect great workers like Tyler Bade and Elio, and they just go for them all the time and that is when that crowd is at their best when they respect the great work they see before them and they're going to get some good work very very soon via Halloween Havoc as we move on to Friday Night Smackdown on Fox going down live in Salt Lake City Utah with a jazz play and we got one of my favorite segments of 2022 this was art on every level the bloodline all of them solo the Enforcer, the Usos, undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions, the Special Counsel, the Wise Man, Paul Heyman. We got the Champ, the undisputed Universal Champion himself, Roman Reigns, and the Honorary Us, Sami Zayn, hopping around like Tigger. That's my nickname, Tigger, <laughs> for Sami Zayn from here on out. Just bouncing, just bouncing to that melodic orchestra-based music for Roman Reigns. <laughs> Awesome. So the show starts with Paul bragging about Solo being picked by the elders for this role as Roman's enforcer after Paul got jumped by by Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. So he needs protection. The Usos are busy defending their championships. So Solo's got to do the work. And Roman tells Solo very quickly that the elders might have picked you for this 
but you work for me now. Like, oh shit, already? Gaslighting? And Solo says, you know what? I acknowledge you. We're good. He's in the family officially. We're about to wrap things up. Sammy grabs the mic inexplicably to say, hey, Roman, I acknowledge you too. And the beauty of this is that Roman Reigns is smiling, but he's totally breaking character because Sammy is so silly. So this is just getting better. So Roman says, who told you to talk? Who told you you could speak? Who told you to wear that T-shirt? You're not in the bloodline. Take off that T-shirt, Sammy. And Sammy's face goes from elation to panic to fear to sadness all in two minutes. And Jey Uso, this dude is elated at this news. Take off the goddamn T-shirt, Sammy. Take it off. He's excited. He is thrilled that he is about to kick this dude out of the bloodline. So he gets out there. And he rips the the T-shirt off Sami Zayn. Sami is devastated. He is sad. He is heartbroken. And we're thinking, oh, Lord, he's going to jump this man. It's going to be a wrap. And Roman's still scowling, mean mugging Sami. And he tells Sami, you don't need that shirt no more because I got you a new one. And he throws Sami the honorary ooze with his little initials at the top. And Sammy is smiling. It's Christmas morning. He puts on the T-shirt. He's so happy. He's elated. The secret handshake to Jimmy took me out. It was seamless. (laughs) He gives Solo the big hug. Jay's face of just (laughs) this motherfucker. The devastation, the anger at Sammy, the pure hatred as Sammy tries to hug him. And he jumps in his face and gotcha. And then he hugs Roman. And Roman gives him the half hug. Then he completely hugs him. This was outstanding television. Paul's cracking up in the background. All of this was tremendous stuff. I said this last week. This is the best storyline in professional wrestling. My gold standard of how you tell a story from start to finish, the long-term planning, the things to come, the twists and turns that could come out of this. The bloodline is stronger than ever because you got so many stories to tell around these championships and now around Sami Zayn as well. My standard for a while was the elite in AEW. No, this is a completely different level of storytelling with different layers to it that can go in numerous directions. Sami Zayn is beloved apparently by Jimmy and Solo and Roman somewhat. Jay don't fuck with him at all. And you can tell at some point that is going to completely break down and the betrayal is coming. I look forward to that day. But until it happens, all of this has been outstanding television and everybody from Roman to Solo to Jimmy, especially Jay and Sammy have been absolutely tremendous at this. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on this segment to kick off Friday Night Smackdown on Fox? I said it in the Facebook group. I said it on Twitter, I think this is the best story going in wrestling because of the different layers we've gotten to. Um, and we don't even, you know, we haven't even gotten to the, the, the biggest layer, which is the tribal chief, just getting to him has been the most fun. Um, the moment where you thought it was going to happen, you could feel the crowd being like, Oh my gosh, they're about to whoop his tail. Sammy's selling it. The facial to be able to sell moments, without saying a word, you know, and, and Sammy did that. Jay Uso, I mean, we talk about Sammy. Jay Uso is doing a tremendous job because let's remember, 
Jay, I've said it on this show, Jay Uso was the guy who was making beats trying to get the Roman. Open the door for a knock. I'm going to keep knocking on the door. Open. That was Jay. That Jay was Sammy. And now Jay is how Roman was to hit the dynamic of this story is beautiful. And then the way he's so close with Jimmy and the flip. And when you can get a heel to get not only his name cheered, but to get cheered for being embraced by the heel group. I mean, they were chanting for him for getting embraced by the heel group. Solo hugging him, Roman hugging him, Paul Heyman's over, Paul, the slime ball is over there cheesing and happy. I mean, it's, and then to see Jay Uso, Jay Uso's face is a meme. <laughs> I mean, that that is a meme when he had that look like, what in the world is happening? And I wish the camera would have panned out because Sammy came over and did something to Jay. I don't know if he tried to like dap him up or hug him up, but he, he came over because you saw the red hair fall in Jay's face. So something happened there. I wish I would have saw it. But yeah, Keely, the, the, the handshake with Jimmy. I mean, they, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, bam. What in the, what? When did Sammy get a cook? When did Sammy get invited to the cookout? What is going on here? I mean, good Lord. And I just, it's just a beautiful story. Everyone's heart's going to get broken when Sammy gets beat down by those four. And honestly, I think Jimmy Uso is going to be hard, is going to be torn over doing it. And he's going to be the last one to attack him. And Roman's probably going to have to, yo, what are you doing? Go get that man. And it's it, it's just a beautiful story. And it's all going to culminate with Sami Zayn pinning Jey Uso for those tag titles. It's, it's just a beautiful story. It is the best story in the business today, bar none. There is not a doubt about it. They can keep these titles for five more years. I don't care because the story is so good. And Sami Zayn is the best. He is one of my MVPs of 2022 in WWE to go from jackass Johnny Knoxville to this, to this level and to tell this story in this way. And there is so much more to come. Thank God Triple H is in charge because now you get to tell this full story of the Sami Zayn redemption story from start to finish. Once he gets that shape up with his hair and that original music comes back when he is free from the bloodline, when they beat his ass and Jimmy will feel the most guilty about this, it is going to be television gold. And he's so over right now as a baby face, even though he's a heel, these fans love him. And when he's truly over, good God almighty, Brian Danielson level of pops are coming Sami Zayn's way. And I cannot wait, Paul. I uh, I love the way you described uh, everything there because it was just beautiful and people you know, rewind it and listen to Keela again um, because you, you broke it down so well and and even the part that I missed when I first watched it was him Solo Sokoa being the protector and that came into play later in the show um, and uh, but but back to the storyline there's there's uh, one of the things I like about this somebody made a comment to me that. And there's a group of us, we have this little side chat going and we talk about wrestling and other stuff. And uh, most of us in this group are Canadian. So the one guy in the group, that's a, one of the guys in the group that's American said, oh, you guys only like Sammy because he's Canadian. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I, this has nothing to do with where he was born. This has to do with the fact that this is a relatable story. I grew up uh, in high school hanging out with 
people that were cooler than me and not having a clue whether or not they liked me. And that's even <laughs> gone through in my adult life in some cases. In fact, sometimes I feel like that in this fight game media group. Hey, even hanging out with you two, you know, you're younger, you're cooler, you're hipper. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe you guys are just playing along and eventually you're just going to beat the crap out of me. You know what I mean? Like, no, you know what? After what you said earlier, and, <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. you took our money, maybe. I know. Maybe. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. But no, it's, it's, you know, so I think, I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I think most people are, are, have some level of insecurity. So they're never quite sure where they stand with certain groups of people. And so I think that's why Sammy's relatable on that level. The other thing is you guys both brought up when Sammy gets beat down and it's going to be glorious and he's going to be such a baby face, blah, blah, blah. There are three ways this story could go. And I, and only one of them involves Sammy getting beat down, but they all in, end up with him as a much bigger star coming out of this. And and I'm excited to see which way they go, because I think any way they go can be viable. I see a situation where, you know, when Sammy least expects it, that Roman just turns on him for no reason at all, because he's an asshole. And, and that, you know, will work. And, and then, you know, Kevin Owens comes out to make the save and everyone's happy. There's another way they can go where... Um, they're in a situation where Roman is after Kevin Owens and, you know, because he's, he's a threat to his title and, and the Usos and him are beating him down. And then Sammy's there and Roman is like, Sammy, like now's the time you got to beat this man down. And Sammy has a heart and realizes I can't do this to my best friend and turns on the Usos and, and Roman and starts fighting for Kevin Owens. That's another way they can go. There's another way they can go. And no one thought of this is they could actually, the Usos and or uh, the Bloodline and Sammy could churn on Jey Uso because he's a bad, he's the one that's not getting along with the group. And then, you know, and then eventually down the road, you know, like they do the Sammy thing, but it could end up being Jey Uso coming out of this as, as you know, a, a baby face against the Bloodline. So they've set up a number of different ways that they can go. And, and that's why I think this is better than that elite storyline that you talked about, because everyone knew exactly where they were heading. It was just how they were going to get there. And then the other thing is the acting is so good in this. And it's so bad in that other one. Like it makes up for bad, for great storytelling in the other one, but it's like comparing Broadway to community theater when you compare the acting of, of uh, Jey Uso and Solo Sokoa and Sammy and Roman and everybody involved in this and to this, you know, little high school drama CW crap that they're doing on, on AEW backstage and on BTE. And like, I'm, I'm it's a good storyline, but it's the acting really, really hurts it. <laughs> And we got to go back to a key point with Solo's debut that Paul said the elders picked him, not Roman. So the elders like Solo and they might be thinking, Ooh. hmm, one day he might be at the head of this table because oh. if Alpha and Sika picked him, the elders picked him, not Roman. And Roman made it a point to say, oh, no, you work for me now. Don't mistake your place here in Forcer even though we're family. So he feels a bit threatened. You saw the look on his face. Oh, they picked you. Oh, they see you as somebody that could lead something someday. Not on my watch. So that's Sterling on lookout for it too. When it comes to when the Uso split from Roman and Solo leads them at some point as well. And now we move on to Liv Morgan beating the ever-loving hell out of Lacey Evans. So Lacey has no place on SmackDown now. She uh, went through that five-week 
journey of her story that Scott was here for all of two weeks. <laughs> and he turned on it as I thought he would, because I read it from week one, like, Mm-mm, I ain't feeling it. And he had the jump on board with me after week two or three. So Lacey introduces a kendo stick to their match. She loses, of course, to oblivion and Liv beats up Liv, Liv beats up Lacey with the kendo stick. Beats her really good. Then delivers a side rush and leg sweep to Lacey against the barricade. Then she ups the ante by grabbing a table from underneath the ring, places Lacey on set of table. Liv goes on the ring post and delivers a freaking seton to Lacey through the table, the camera angle, the execution, the landing, the cell was great. I liked it a lot. I thought this was a standout Liv Morgan moment. She needed it heading into Extreme Rules against Ronda Rousey in an Extreme Rules match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And I saw Paul's tweet. He's watched a lot of matches in 2022, and he's watched nearly 50 matches involving Liv Morgan, sir. So tell me about that. And Uh, if you can identify a couple of matches that stood out to you during that extensive bit of research. I can't. I, 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 cause I watch everything and I just, you know, and I write them all down and, and, you know, in my spreadsheet cause I'm a nerd and, uh, the, I mean, and Liv was doing main event for a while. So that's why she's got more matches than anybody else. Um, the, um, I thought like this was gonna be my void at all costs um, uh, until a, a later match on the show. Uh, other than that, the 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 ending spot that was really good, and Michael Cole did the very best job he possibly could to convince us that Liv Morgan is extreme and that she's got a hope in hell of beating Ronda Rousey. I didn't buy it, but he did the best he could, and Liv did the best she could. And unfortunately, Lacey Evans was the sacrificial uh, lamb in this situation. Uh, but the match leading up to that spot was not good at all. No. Uh, which is describes most of the 47 Liv Morgan matches I've seen. Uh, somebody asked me, were any of them any good? And I was like... Good, maybe a couple of the 47 I'd classify as good, nothing very good, um, and a lot that were kind of bad to mediocre. Uh, that's just basically been her year, but hey, it's uh, the participation trophy, and it was her turn, so she's the champ. And uh, I think Ronda will get the title and and set us up for uh, that Ronda Becky match that we're all waiting for at WrestleMania. Yes, Charlotte also looms in the background as well because she'll be back yes. soon. And you know the match was not very good. Uh, it just was not, just just not very good. I can have some good live matches. Her at Becky day one, the rematch on Raw tag team match involving Naomi and Sasha versus the Live and Rhea was really good on SmackDown. After that, hated Ronda versus Liv at SummerSlam. Just not really strong matches on TV after that point, even though she's a champion right now. I will say her and Shayna worked pretty good together at Clash of the Castle. Just depends on the love of opponent she's working with to really bring out the best in her. And those Natalia matches were definitely not that. But she needed this moment to say, I got a shot, even though we all know there is no shot because Ronda's going to maul her. And she's going to destroy her. And I hope their chemistry is better than what we got at SummerSlam. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on Liv going extreme, even though it might not mean much at the end of the day? I guess she was telling everybody to watch her because she's better than all of us, right? Um, it, It was fine. Liv is Liv. I will say this. There is something about Liv Morgan where one week she just... She can make you I, like this is the best that she's looked as far as 
being presented as a formidable, um, dare I say, dominant champion. Um, if you take away the first what's five minutes of the eight minutes match where they decided to let Lacey Evans just bum rush her for some reason. Um, but it is what it is. I, I kind of hope we move on from this and get it back to Ronda. Cause I think there's potential for a Ronda Shayna match. That could be a lot of fun, but that, it was fine. The big spot looked good. That'll be a nice highlight reel moment for, we can expect to see that at extreme rules. So I think Ronda will move though. And that'll probably be the finish of the match. Most likely, if we had to guess. So, fine segment. Nothing that stood out really well. Up, uh, shout, shout out to the match on Monday Night Raw earlier this year involving Bianca Liv and Dewdrop. I believe there was somebody else in that match. Good fatal four-way. Becky was marking out. That's how great the match was. So, that's another Liv highlight of 2022 because I can't acknowledge those Italian matches. Those were really, really bad. But let's move on to the mystery of the White Rabbit. So this white rabbit, this fella, is supposed to show up on SmackDown, 923, 923, 923. So 923 was a date and a time. We didn't get shit. So this red, so this white rabbit is gonna leave a flyer on some chairs to say, hey, I'll be in Edmonton on Monday. I don't believe this white rabbit. He's not gonna be there. He's gonna leave another clue with his QR codes and other assorted shit. I'm intrigued by this, but I'm lazy. I don't like doing work to find out who the hell this is supposed to be. I know it's probably Bray Wyatt. It's a clever strategy, but I will say the ratings were sky high for SmackDown over this fucking rabbit. So the sooner he shows up, the better. It's an okay idea. This little scavenger hunt of who is who and what are we doing here? But this white rabbit had the audacity to ghost us at 923 at 923. And I am offended by this, Scott. I am offended. This white rabbit did not show up where he was supposed to be. He showed up on a QR code screen in the hit row lounge. That's all he did. So my biggest takeaway from this is that apparently the white rabbit got an invite. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was my biggest takeaway from this whole thing was that the white rabbit has whoever it ends up being, they got an invite. Um, I, you know, it's, they're, they're definitely dragging this out. Uh, the, the coordinates seem to now it's going to be on Monday night and we'll see if that's another thing to get it till Friday. I, I don't, you know. It, people are intrigued by it, so that's the important thing, and it hasn't lost steam. But you don't want to you don't want to keep you know doing this. This is this is a Vince thing. This is something that Vince would do, and this is the stuff that we need to get away from. So I hope that was just a one time thing, and maybe they just have a a bigger plan for it because it does seem like there is a renewed interest in Raw. You know, there is a renewed focus on Raw. So maybe they're like, we need to add a little something extra to Monday night. So hopefully it's just a one-time thing of them pulling the rug from underneath us. But I am more intrigued now at who it is because they got an invite. They did. They got an invite to the hero party backstage. It was a very lit party based on who was there. When Shin showed up, it was going to be a party. A good time had by all. I appreciated that. But he better hop his ass to Edmonton or Philly for Extreme Rules. But I'm sure between that spot and or Brooklyn will be the last landing spot where the White Rabbit hops to Paul. You don't think he's going to be in Winnipeg next week? 
<laughs> no, you idiot. He will not be there to quote somebody you that idiot? we know. You know what you said to me? <laughs> you know um, that you know there's an inside joke there, you idiot. I know. I know. <laughs> um the um no, I uh I I'll be honest with you. Like I I I watched the TV show. Um so just watching the TV show like I have no idea what the hell's going on with the white rabbit. Like I, I hear about it. I, I people talk about it. They something about a QR code. I have no idea what they're talking about. Like I'm not playing dumb like I do with AEW stuff sometimes. Like I have no idea what's going on here. I guess like they're showing stuff in the arena or something. And like I'm not. I keep hearing rumors that Bray Wyatt's coming back, and if he does, great. But I. This thing is missing with me uh, because I don't, I haven't heard the song yet. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Um, I'm just a confused old grandpa here. <laughs> You're not the only one because it started last weekend on the house show circuit. And I think they played the yeah, song like, in between matches during intermission. It happened on SmackDown too. So it's a very viral campaign, which is very unique yeah. by WWE. I was lost too until like, what the hell are you talking about? A white rabbit? What do you mean? Yeah, I went back and watched. Like, um, did I miss something? Um, I guess I did. Like, if I would have saw the QR code, I probably would have like put my phone to the to the TV or whatever and, and saw it. And then, then I would have been cool. Cause I did see one with, um, who was it a while back? Was it, uh, Zoe Stark or Dakota yes. Kai or something? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I did see that one. Um, so yeah, they started that in NXT. I guess maybe next week I'll see the, maybe I'll hear the song in Winnipeg. Um, you know, when I'm there, maybe they'll play it there. I, yeah, I don't think we're seeing Bray Wyatt and probably hasn't got his vaccine. Um, but, uh, well, that that's changing, by the way. Uh, October, you can come to Canada if you want, even if you don't have the shot. So, uh, for all you listeners out there, you can come to the cookout at the Fontaine Residence. Issuing out invitations to the cookout. Yeah, we'll have uh, pierogies and kubasa. <laughs> the fact that we educated you on the cookout earlier yeah. this year is yeah. a blessing. And then I'm watching, and I'm like, "Hey, is that a cookout?" <laughs> <laughs> Now, there have been a few cookouts at, on on wrestling. So yeah, the the Fourth of July cookout. Yeah. Well, this was this yeah. was more like what I imagine a cookout would be, especially with those people, uh, and and some of the shirts they were wearing. That looked like a fun party, man. The party was I, looking like a lot of fun. Drew, Drew Gulak was the whitest person there. He rolled <laughs> yeah, up on B Fab. Like and I'm not oh. even white. Now I'm whiter than Drew Gulak. <laughs> The whitest person there. Um, I did like the drive by by Los Otorios. We'll kick everybody and leave. So that was great. And it never went anywhere. Next week. It's just up a match next week in Winnipeg. Wonderful. Yes. So, yeah, that uh, card for Winnipeg is, I mean, if I wasn't getting, I don't want to say what I was going to. I'm really excited for the show next week. That's all I'm going to say. But <laughs> for Sami Zayn. For Sami Zayn. Like world on fire. Yeah, no, just being in WWE because it's, it's hot right now. And I kind of want to see it. Yes, hot ticket, hot product, and a hot company. Yeah. So can't yeah. be mad at that. But I know that you would prefer to see Gunther and Sheamus in Winnipeg. That's coming the following week, though, unfortunately. Ah, that's fine. I get yeah. to see it on TV. Yeah. And uh, speaking of which, we now have our main event, which was the Brawling Brutes versus the Usos for the undisputed WWE Tag Team titles. I thought this was a great match. For the second week in a row, I think, dare I say, I am growing to like Rich Holland because his high spots, his power spots are getting over and he's not hurting people. So he's slowly getting off my list. He's getting checked off, thankfully. Really good match. Butch as Pete Dunn, you know, come on. 
fantastic. The double super kick when he's going for a moonsault was outstanding. Super kick party by the Usos to Butch to Rich Holland at one point. Then, of course, because we can't trust anything with the clean finish, we got to have shenanigans. So Sammy's getting in Jay's face and vice versa about him being the cheerleader at ringside. At one point, Sammy grabs a steel chair from the crowd and he's going to go after somebody. Seamus cuts him off. Then we get Imperium out there beating up Seamus. Gunther comes through, boots Seamus, and then the Uso superkick, Rich Holland and Butch, and then they hit Butch with the 1D to retain the titles. Outside distractions aside, this is a really good match. Loved the near falls. The Utah crowd was into the action down the stretch. I had like, uh, expectations heading into the match on paper, but in reality, I thought this was by far the best match on the show on Friday to cap off a good show by WWE heading into Extreme Rules. And I would love to see possibly, maybe, Imperium, Brawling Brutes, Usos, tag team titles at Extreme Rules. Why not, Scott? This is a really strong match. Uh, Ridge looked really good. I thought this was probably might be the best he's looked. Um, I think he's... The one thing I noticed that was very glaring about him um, is that you can tell when he's setting up for somebody to hit him. Mm-hmm. You can tell when he's waiting on somebody to lay into him. It was very obvious um, at the very end of the match when they were going outside after Imperium came out and uh, Pete Dunn came out, walked right into a super kick. Ridge came out and kind of stood there and then you saw him look out the corner of his eye and just kind of wait there. And, and you saw him bracing for the super kick. It happened again in the middle of the ring. Um, the Usos had reversed the move on him. And instead of staying where he was, he just started, you could see him just crawling over to the Usos. And not in a way where he's like groveling, but just kind of setting up, getting in the right spot. Little things like that are just, and that, and maybe nobody else noticed that, but that's just, you know, I, I just picked up on that. Because I, I, I've been watching Ridge a lot because he, He's somebody who I think has gotten a lot better and is someone who, you know, because of what he what happened with Big E, I think people are really hard on him as far as, you know, the in-ring, the, like they're expecting him to just pick it up and run with it and just be this phenom. And he's not that. And what they're doing with him in this tag role and the people that he's working with and working with all these different guys and having Sheamus as somebody to kind of learn from, you can see the improvement though. You can see him slowing down when he does his moves and he's not doing all, he's not doing overhead belly to bellies on the outside of the ring. Now, you know, they're being smarter about what he's doing. Now he's catching guys and just doing back body drops, like very different, still powerful looking moves, but basic. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with, with basic moves when you add that power to them. And there's no denying that guy is a, a muscle ball powerhouse. So really strong match. And I think the one thing that there's no doubt about anymore is the Usos themselves are a main event act without Roman Reigns. They are a solidified main event act. When those four were standing there at the end of the show, standing tall, that's a main event act. That's a main event act that can close a show. So I, I loved everything about this. Great way to close out Friday night. 
Agreed. And great point about Ridge improving. And that goes to better producing when it comes to his matches. Don't let him do what he cannot do. Let him be good at what he, what he what he's good at and right now is good at carrying people on his shoulders and dropping them very safely. That's what he's good at. So good for him for improving in that area and trying to get the mechanics down to be a more complete worker. So, Paul, what are your thoughts on this main event with the bloodline standing tall with Jay and Sammy somewhat? somewhat getting along getting along <laughs> i i thought this was my match of the week i know we're not doing that segment so i just mentioned it here um the um one thing i really liked and we haven't mentioned it was earlier in the show they did a video package putting over the length of the usos title reigns and comparing it to the different reigns and i think the they're third now all time and they brought up who they have to beat and i think they have something like i think it's less than 50 days before they would get their record so um you know they're they're also setting that up in the sense that if we get to one of these matches that you're talking about if you do that triple threat at extreme rules or if 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 if, you know if we're close to sammy and kevin owens getting together and maybe they're the ones that end this historic title reign before it gets to number one like they're putting over these titles as or this title reign specifically as being historic. And I really, really like that. The The only downside I kind of had in it, it was more on my end, uh, was as I'm watching this match and I'm really into it and I'm liking it. And I'm like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I don't think they're doing a title change. So like, are they, is it just going to be a clean pin or what's going to happen? And then they started talking about Sheamus and Gunther in uh, two weeks. And then it occurred to me at that very moment Oh yeah, Imperium's going to run out and we're going to have a distraction and that's how the uses are going to win and then that's exactly what happened and kind of capped off a week of uh, of really really good matches in some cases great matches with crappy interference and both companies doing the same thing and I I mean I guess you know what it's TV and and if it's I'd rather have the great matches leading to the bad finishes than just having the bad finishes or having a, you know, an okay match with a good finish. So, um, but yeah, overall good week and, uh, capped off with a, with a great, uh, television main event on, uh, on SmackDown. Yes. I drew some big numbers unofficial, of course, but big numbers yeah. for SmackDown once again. And I agree with you. I called it last week when the brawling brute stole the win from Imperium. I expected interference. Yeah. I knew it was coming and that's a drawback to these matches. Why care emotionally when you know you're going to get a fuck finish in the end? And hopefully Tony and Paul can burn their books this week and say no more distraction finishes on our shows for next week because I don't want to see that again. I need cleaner finishes on these shows. Take a risk. Beat somebody for crying out loud because they'll be okay at the end of the day. And with that, it's now time to put a bow on the week on this week's episode of The Wrap right here on the Fiking Media Network. Before we say goodbye, anytime the pause on the show, I want to bring back a oldie but a goodie. The guilty pleasure slash avoid at all costs picks of the week. The one thing in WWE that you shouldn't love but should do and the one thing you should steer clear from by all means. So, Paul, your picks, please, for what you liked and did not like from WWE this week. Okay, so the um, the you mentioned how SmackDown uh, opened with um, the um, with the with the segment with Roman and Sammy, and that was great. And that's not a guilty pleasure because it was just freaking awesome, and everybody loved it. But 
after that segment was over, we got a couple like that show went downhill fast. And um, and and I was going to have Lacey live, as I mentioned earlier, as my thing. But then right after it, I think, was uh, Ra- Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. Big Mama Cool and HB Kai, as I like to call them, <laughs> who were together and feuding for years in NXT. And they even mentioned it in commentary. And they've had some great matches together. And they've got this long history. And this match was bad. Like, it was nothing. I think it was, like, less than two minutes. And it was just, it was bad. And it was, distra- you know, interference at the end. And it was just bad. So, you know what? Like, skip that, like, second half hour of SmackDown. Then go to the, go to what's going to be my next thing, which is my... On the same show, my guilty pleasure that turned this show around, Otis and Braun and uh, Braun Strowman. Oh my God! I was like, as this match was starting, I'm like, oh my God, this show is bad and it's about to get worse. And this match was freaking awesome. I loved it. I could watch this over and over again. Braun is so over. Otis was like so good and watching that big truck get thrown around by Braun just made him look even better and uh I just love this and I'm like I'm I'm watching Braun and how he's over and like he might just come up out of nowhere and be like feuding with Roman in like six months because he is super over and he's a good worker for a big man and uh I just I just love that match and that was my guilty pleasure even though Chase you by default always is, and anytime they're on screen, they're my real guilty pleasure. But this one kind of just took that mantle right away from them. So, Braun and Braun and uh, Otis, go watch it. Yes, that was a really good big hoss battle between those two guys on Friday. And Roman Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman was my favorite feud of 2017. Their matches were great. Great Looney Tunes comedy theater, My Roadrunner and Coyote of 2017. A brief take on damage control that we did not get to on the show. Oh, yeah. That Dakota Kai Raquel thing was a mess. But the presentation of damage control we need some work. I love everybody individually, but I feel like Bailey, for me, she still doesn't know how to adjust with live people. And she was great on a Thunderdome with nobody there. She's got to readjust with people in the building to make this crew click. My only critique on this faction, who I like a lot, but Bailey's got to be the alpha female in that crew to make this thing pop. And now, Scott, as I bring it over to you now, your guilty pleasure and avoid our cost. Pick of the week. So my my guilty pleasure, man. I and I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm I actually really wasn't happy about the result. Um, but Andre Chase, man. I God dang it. I mean, I'm all about the teachable moments. I I can't believe I'm saying that because he beat Carmelo. Like he beat Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes. Like what in the world? But I'm all I'm all aboard and. I think they've done a good job with him building him up as this underdog babyface. So Andre Chase and Carmel, that tag team, that match was, was a lot of fun. So that was, that was that fun. interview segment that set it up was beautiful. It was excellent. They played, they played yeah. off each other really well. Cause they're so different. Their dynamics are so different. And the crowd, again, the crowd is with it. They amplify things because they were ready to say the teachable moment. They started chanting it. The dude in the sweater is over. I mean, you know, and and not not uh not uh Inofe, not that sweater, not the sweater vest, but the full on <laughs> sweater is over. Um, Urkel. Yeah, right. I mean, good lord. Shout out to Bodie too. Um, my avoid at all costs. Ah, Johnny Gargano. 
I Ooh. I get this guy. I mean, if he's not wrestling, don't put him on the screen. Why in the world would you have him come out and drop the the briefcase on Austin Theory's nuts? What? <laughs> why? Why does that make me like Johnny Johnny Gargano? I, what a douchebag! Ding dong, hello. I mean, what what a douchebag! Why would you do that? <laughs> I, there's no reason to do that. So if you're not wrestling. Don't be on TV because I don't need you cutting promos. If you're not going for a title, I don't need you cutting promos because you don't know what you're talking about. And then I don't need you out in the ring just just doing nut shots. We still doing that? Come on, man. I, that Avoid Johnny Gargano this week. To be fair, Austin Theory did hit him in the back with that briefcase the week before. So he deserved that nut shot. <laughs> Just I, saying. I guess well, so, but still. John, Austin shouldn't start it. No shit. <laughs> A-Town down. As, 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 <laughs> as, uh, as, Jim, as Jim Cornette calls him, Johnny's same face just needs to stick to wrestling. Austin Theory needs to stay in his lane. Okay. So instead, instead of ding dong hello, we got hello ding dong. Yes. <laughs> well, was, you know. Yeah, true that. <laughs> let, me, let me quickly do my pick so we can end this show before it goes completely off the rails as it normally do around this time. So my guilty pleasure is um, Dexter Loomis cutting a hole in the ring with a knife, <laughs> popping his head up like whack-a-mole to kidnap the Miz and Tomasa Ciampa. I loved it. I loved it. Miz was scared to death. He thought, oh God, he's going to get me. He did not get him again. And uh, Ciampa hit him with the mic. But then Dexter pops up again. When Miz checks to see if he, is he dead? Come on. <laughs> Come on, white dude in every horror film. Of course he's not dead. Get out of there. So enjoy, I enjoyed that for what it was. My avoid at all costs. You know, it's tough these days because rarely is anything truly bad in WWE. But I would just say avoid what Paul suggested, which was uh, Raquel and Dakota Kai. That was insulting. So skip all of that. It was not very good. And that's a wrap on all things WWE this week. A very good week, as always. Couldn't say that three months ago. But another good week in WWE. I want to thank Scott and Paul for joining me as we chop things up all WWE. Oh, it's always a blast. I'm, you know, I'm back into the groove. I'm glad Paul won't be here next week. I don't have to worry about <gasps> getting no type of shots coming at me as soon as I, as I welcome back. But uh, no, I'm just playing. It's always great to have the grandpa on here. Uh, love his perspective on things. And uh, it was a great conversation as always. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're not. Right, right, right. I, no, you're not. Uh, all right. <laughs> Maybe I'm not. I, I, you know what? Yeah, I, you know, I kind of am. I feel bad now, but please. I uh, As you eat your free bit. red lobster. It was a bit. Yeah. Don't. Is this kayfabe? Are we still recording? <laughs> We're live, pal. <laughs> See, that's what we have I always back have on so much show. fun on this show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for somebody giving their spot to me. I really appreciate that, actually. Yeah, somebody did a solid, and we appreciate them for giving up the spot for you this month. It was great having you here, as always. We love you, and we are not going to beat your ass, ever. We're never going to excommunicate you, beat you down, despite the shade you threw at us today. Unceremoniously, by the way, and we're supposed to be good, Paul. We were day one. Day one, Mm -hmm. you and I, before you had to be replaced, because Scott fired your ass to get this job. Thank you, uh, my poppy of the table. 
the funny the funny part about that is Paul was actually the host. Yeah. When, yeah. <laughs> on my like audition episode. I invited you and I think it was Dan the queue and uh and then you just kind of swooped right in and uh <laughs> yeah. And that's fine. That's fine. Uh, somebody told me you host too many shows. That was literally what they told me. So that's cool. No, you guys do a great job. And it's like, it's uh, one, I look forward to listening to this every Monday on my way home from the office on the half a day a week that I have to go in. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I usually stop and, and have a burger and fries and throw on the, the, uh, the beats and listen to this show. We always appreciate it, Paul. Your feedback means a lot to us and we'll be back next week the go home week for extreme rules going down in philly on october 8th until then for myself for scott for paul the grandpa ass himself the og of the grandpas that is a wrap on all things wwe take care have a great week everybody